Hello, my name is Chris Chai and you're listening to LaunchBite coming to you from our homes on Saturday, June 21st, 2014. With me is my regular co-host, Brian Lee. Hello. We here at LaunchBite talk about news that we find interesting and discuss the local tech startup scene. LaunchBite is part of the Vulcan Network, a network dedicated to bringing you the latest lifestyle and tech news. Today, we are going to be doing something slightly different. We are going to be discussing the topic of venture capitalism. And um, we're going to see what our thoughts are about it. We haven't really had this discussion beforehand, so this will be pretty interesting. Um, Brian, how have you been? Yes, I'm good. So last week, um, we did not have the opportunity to do uh, the podcast because I was in Thailand. And yes, uh, I was exploring some uh, co-working space over there. Uh, In fact, uh, I got a recommendation through uh, some E27 guys to visit Mm -hmm. a co-working space called H-U-B-B-A. Hoopa. Yeah, so the place is quite interesting. Uh, Centrally located and um, there are some very good startups over there. Uh, So the the co-working space is in Bangkok, Thailand, right? Yes, it's, it's in Bangkok, Thailand. Mm. Uh, it costs about 260 baht per day for, uh, so you can go in and hop desk. That's about 10 bucks a day. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I also found that's out that... Pretty. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you are saying? No, that's a pretty low cost, actually. For... Oh, uh, I found an even lower one. Uh. So, uh, I, I realized that um, the Starbucks over in Bangkok, they do not provide internet access. However, you can purchase the daily pass at mm-hmm. 150 baht. I see. So you can sit... Unlimited? Uh, unlimited. I mean, for that, for that day. Oh, right. Yeah. But there's no internet. That's, no, that pass is for you to access internet. Right. Okay. Yeah. okay. Got it. So 150 baht and you can sit there and you get the... Uh, you get a PowerPoint. Uh, apparently, mm. there's quite a bit of PowerPoints over there, and uh, yeah, you can you can do your stuff. So I I, I went over to this uh, Starbucks at Tonglok, one of the Japanese right, right. expatriate area, and I was working there about um, six hours, and there are not a lot of people going into Starbucks, and uh, I had a own PowerPoint to myself and internet access, pretty good. I would say the internet access and uh, it's good for remote working. <laughs> nice. Mm. Okay. Alright. Yeah. Um, How have well, you been then? I've been good. Haven't seen you in a while. We yeah. finally managed to meet up after quite a yes. quite some time. Um, last week, I actually guest hosted on the Tomboy Tarts uh, podcast uh, that should be coming out soon. It's their um, anniversary podcast, so that'll be pretty interesting. Um, hey, why is that? Uh, actually, happening? yeah. Can you like, uh, share a bit so more? It, it yeah. was. It was Okay, so like the whole show was kind of uh, centered around WWDC and what our thoughts were about it. Because they got this other guy who was like a huge fan of Apple and um, we just had this conversation about it, I guess. Uh, okay. Yeah, so it should be coming out soon. Um, check back on Tomboy Tarts mm-hmm. for, their, for their news. Yeah. Apart from that, I've been pretty busy. Uh, the usual startup stuff, I guess. Are you chasing World Cup? <laughs> World Cup? No, I don't have the energy to. Yeah, but it's been a long time since I've watched the World Cup, and I just kind of am avoiding it. Just watching highlights. Yeah, these days, I, I also watch yeah. highlights. Uh, seldom look into. I I I never actually stay out for the match. <laughs> yeah, so like um sometimes in the morning because we've got a couple of pretty huge football fans in our office. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll come in and they'll watch the highlights on the cinema display. Mm-hmm. 
Ah, so, nice. It's quite nice, yeah. It's oh, cool. talk, talking about cinema up. display, uh, Apple reduced their price. They, re- they introduced a lower cost model for the iMac. Yeah, I yeah. saw. Uh, it's a the slightly older hardware, I guess. Oh, the hardware? You, you'll be amazed. The hardware is using a MacBook Air hardware. i5. Uh, uh, it's using i5, 500 gig and, uh, of memory, uh, 500 gig of storage space and 8 gig memory. Yeah, I'm quite surprised. Yeah, they lower the spec and they sell you cheaply. Uh, not cheaply, affordably. <laughs> not cheaply, yeah. It's still considered expensive, I think. Yeah, I think it was still like 1,001 yeah. US. Yeah, yeah, about there. Thereabouts. Okay, cool. Um, so shall we jump straight into the topic today? Yes, so um, so we decided to do this uh, something different. And that's because... Uh, so why the sudden I suggested to you that we, we should do something like the topic on venture capitalists and angel investors, that's because some of my friends know and uh, they they are not in the startup scene, but they are starting to ask, a, some are asking like, how can I become an angel investors? And mm. some who are interested in starting their own business are asking, hey, should I be getting grant or should I be getting venture capital or should I be getting angel investors? Some of them are confused, you see, because this space is actually quite tight. Uh, Type meaning there's only a small group of us. If you roam around in the startup scene long enough, it's always that few, and that investor is only that that many over yep. here locally. That's yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So maybe we can uh, address uh, one of the first question is, what is a venture capitalist uh, against uh, versus like a angel investor? Okay. So first off, like a venture capitalist is basically uh, someone who uh, provides financial capital at the early stage, right, or high potential of high potential growth startup companies Mm -hmm. so this means that usually they come in very early on before you really have that much traction uh, usually and they provide you with the money that you need to get your company really started yep angel investors are similar in a sense but they i guess they don't have the same kind of terms as a venture capitalist Mm -hmm. group yeah um brian you probably have more experience with a vc and angel investors, right? So, uh, what's your understanding of it? Um, I so I I feel that uh, VC and angel investors they are very much different. Mm-hmm. So, like like you have mentioned, uh, they come in in the different stage of the startups, and sometimes your startup can uh, I mean your startup can your startup get traction, and sometimes you don't even need to go to the venture capital uh, stage. So, angel investors, uh, so like you have mentioned, are those that uh, come in at a very seed stage. When you have an idea, you go to them only with an idea, uh, maybe just a few pieces of business plan, and they are willing to throw those small amount, like 50K, 100K to you and invest to you. And uh, these kind of people, when we look for them, we go for their network and how they can contribute to the company because you are at a very early stage and they help you to move forward. Okay. Venture capital. Um, so actually, yeah. to explain the different stages of a startup, right? Mm-hmm. So there's the initial um, seed funding. Yes, you would call it. So that's when you really first start off, and you need money to uh, hire like your first employees and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That's the stage where um, angel investors usually come in, or you would bootstrap. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So venture capitalists generally come in around what stage? Right after seed funding. Right after. Yes. Right after. So typically so, when you have traction, uh, you mm-hmm. have uh, recurring revenue, 
Okay. It doesn't need to be high, actually. Uh, you you just need to prove just that potential. Yeah, potential. Okay, right. So it's still considered relatively early stage, and that's usually referred to as the Series A round. Correct. Where you start to evaluate your company and see how much uh, money you need to really push it is into like the um, SME stage. Mm. I would say. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where the venture capitalist comes in, and then uh, further on from that, there is Series B, C, D funding, which is generally like much, much larger, and yeah. this is where you're really uh, growing a company beyond um, a small company startup. Yeah. Oh, talking about this, so mm-hmm. uh, some of them ask, hey, how is this? How di- how is venture capital different from the private equity uh, things? Uh, so there's also one private equity also comes in and fund your company and all. But right. those private equities come in at a very late stage. The stage just before you are about to go IPO or mm-hmm. just before you are about to go for some major uh, merger, something like that. Yeah, Because they are in, they will bring their, their managers and all their, uh, their skills come in, restructure your company a bit and make it beautiful for IPO most of the time. For the okay. private equities, yeah. Okay, so and that's another thing, another question that we will need to answer when we will do it later on. Yeah, sure. What are the purposes of each of these uh, funding stages and why is it important that you think about this when you first start off with your company, right? Okay, so let's uh, jump back to VCs mm-hmm. and where they come in. And I think the discussion today is really what are the pros and cons of VC funding and why is it that you would consider getting VC funding? Yeah. Okay, so uh, let's just give a hypothetical situation where you are a company and mm-hmm. you require a certain amount of funding in order to proceed with the next stage of your uh, product, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we're a company, our product is already there, it's already been built, and we kind of want to bring it to market. And this is where VCs might come in, yes. so that you have enough money to uh, handle the marketing as well as uh, growing the team. So when VCs come in, What's the pros and cons of having a VC fund your startup, Brian? Um, I would say that <laughs> I think there are more cons <laughs> than uh, pros, but uh, so I'd like to share about the cons first. So okay. one of the top reasons is uh, you'll be losing some of your control mm-hmm. because uh, thankfully when you have a VC coming in, you give out some of your shares to them and they give some of, of, of their cash to you. Right. And... Uh, you are no longer you are selling your the ownership of your company. You are no longer the <laughs> uh, you are no longer the I know the in charge and all. They will have their say. They will have voting rights. So some of the directions might change. You might want to build the next Facebook, but they want you to build the next Pinterest. So direction might change. That's the okay, first thing. So I have a question about that, right? Yeah. When you say you give up control, is this part of the terms of their investment, or is it something that is uh, expected? Um, like VCs will expect you to give them voting shares, basically. Um, most of the VCs that I heard and encountered with, they when when they come in at a stage of traction, they will want to have a voting rights. So okay. in case, so why do they want a voting rights? So from their point of view is, suppose you are a two-man founder, and if you have an argument, let's say you have mm-hmm. an argument, you say, okay. I want to be the next Pinterest, I want to be in the next Facebook, the, the VC then will have a voting right to go with either one of them. Otherwise, it will be a tie. Okay. Yeah, you yeah. will be a tie and there will be no solution and the company will go down because it's like a tree without any head, right? Right, so yeah. essentially they want to come in as the third partner 
Yeah, and they also give you advice and network. Right. Okay. Yeah. So that's the thing, right? They do provide a certain amount of um, experience and networking with it. So there are certain VCs, I think, who mm-hmm. provide that kind of value add to the company more so than just money. Yes. Yeah, because these guys are guys who have been in the business for a while, mm-hmm. and they definitely have the experience or have been with companies that have gone through similar stages with you, uh, or with them rather. Mm-hmm. So yeah, why is it? A problem to give them control, right? <laughs> Why? Because uh, sometimes the second reason I will say to for this right is they are not in the same business as you. So imagine in this scenario, this scenario mm-hmm. that you're talking about, uh, mm-hmm. we've got traction, we got VC, and we reach a stage where we think that hey, this space is getting competitive. Someone right. wants to buy me out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as a as a founder, as the guy on the ground, you 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 believe that hey, I should now sell out because this is the best time for me to get out. Uh, someone can do it better than me. But your investors might think differently. They will want a higher return. The yes. yeah, they will want a higher return. They might ask you to hey, can you keep on going because we believe that uh, maybe you can do another six months more and get get more traction. You can sell at a higher price. Okay, so that's the thing, right? It's a misalignment of goals on both the VC's side as well as your end. Yes. And ultimately, what is it that uh, what is it that would convince you to go with a VC if your goals are not aligned? If the goals are not aligned, yeah, <laughs> I would say that. Uh, so, I would say that in the process of finding a VC, right? Most of us, most yeah. of us. Yeah. Frankly speaking, we are always talking about, hey, I need to find a VC that is willing, who has good network and is mm-hmm. in the same industry as me. Okay, uh, but if he believes in your vision, is that ever a question that you ask? Oh yeah, we will definitely ask whether that uh, this is we are going for the long term. So, for example, we are going for, we believe in the next five years we won't be selling out any shares. And uh, is this something that we want? They will be asking asking these kind of questions. Right. Right. Yeah. However. In the real world, <laughs> that one is based on theory, yeah. Right, that uh, exactly. ideally, ideally, that we would love to find this kind of VC. I mean, that there, there are out there, definitely there are, but yeah. sometimes uh, you cannot find, and there might be a VC where it comes in and say, "Hey, um, yes, I want to fund you, but uh, I may exit at a certain point. Mm-hmm. He might, he might put in a certain clause yeah. uh, earlier on." And that at that point of time, because you want to expand and because uh, of the situation around you, mm-hmm. you believe that I have no choice. I will just take the money first and grow. But yeah. the problem will come back and bite you later because the the vision doesn't align. Yeah. So that's the thing. Um, if you're, I'm sure most of us when we first start off, right, we don't have a very clear vision of what we're going to be doing at certain points. Yes. And um, because of that, when we start talking to VCs. Uh, they don't get a clear idea of what our goals are and what will the roadmap be ultimately. Mm-hmm. And so they have their own... They, of course... I mean, the whole reason why they're putting money into you is to make more money yes. most of the time, right? It's not necessarily to grow your idea. There are some that do. And those that people, if you can find them, will be great for your business. But ultimately, their goal would most likely to maximize their profits. Correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's not something that you can fault them for because that's basically their business. That is what they are good at. Yeah, so um, them growing their profits would actually supposedly help you, lah. In a way, it's just that sometimes 
uh, when you're willing to make certain sacrifices to grow your company, your product, mm-hmm. it doesn't align with their goals of uh, growing their profits. So that's, I think, the problem with a lot of uh, companies that don't like VC funding. Mm-hmm. Because they can't find people who are aligned with their goals. And also, even if they find VC funders, sometimes they realize too late that their goals are very different. Yeah. I think, I believe that um, not only that the goals are different, uh, are one of the main different, and sometimes, uh, even though the vision is the same, the strategy that, so... I'm going yes. like deeper into details, right? Yeah. Because once you have VC funding, you you have occasionally have to do those bi-monthly reports and not reports, but like meet up and share. So yeah. although they have experience, but sometimes I feel that you, the founder is the person on the ground. He knows much more. Not that he knows much more. He Because he's on the ground, it's like um, he's able to assess the situation better than the VC. Although... VC provides all the network. So when you are taking certain strategy, let's say based on your scenario, the founder is taking strategy A, but yeah. and the VC during a money meeting he might be like saying, "Hey, why are you doing strategy A? A is no good. Then you should do strategy B." And before strategy A had the time to sit and become something meaningful, Correct. you had to change. Yeah. Not that you must change, but you will be sweet. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So these are some of the disadvantages I feel yeah. that uh, that will happen. It's, it's especially tough if the investor actually does have um, voting rights. Because at the end of the day, mm-hmm. you're not the only person making the decision, right? Right. And if your partner gets swayed by the um, arguments of the VC, then you suddenly don't have to, you need to reconvince your partner to uh, follow the plan or something along those lines. Yeah. See, uh, uh, the way to solve that is actually to have a dictatorship. <laughs> dictatorship. <laughs> no, but in a sense, that's kind of the um, that's kind of something that I've been thinking about recently. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because if you are a founder mm-hmm. and you think out your plan properly and you have your reasons too, right? You should not have trouble convincing your VC. And if you have trouble convincing your VC and it's because your VC refuses to see things your way mm-hmm. or refuses to be open-minded about it, then you have found the wrong VC. However, if the VC is really good and considers um, the logic that you've laid out and it's sound, right? Mm-hmm. He should be agreeable with what you want to do. It should never be a point where you are unable to convince him or he is unable to convince you soundly. It should not be, you know, oh, he's just being close-minded. <laughs> That's but, always a problem. Yeah. So on, on, this, on this very topic, right, about like VC being uh, vocal, so expressi- uh, expressing their ideas and all uh, coming mm-hmm. to a picture. On the other hand, on the other hand, you will also meet VCs who... Im- in the situation, we invest in the company and not do anything. Uh, then that would be, is that better or is it worse? Because they won't care about you. They say, hey, I'm, I'm putting money into you because one of my uh, venture capital strategy is to throw money into 20 companies and hope that one will succeed. But I, I won't help any of you. I think that's fine, but these can't be uh, people that can interfere with your business. So, because if they have any form of decision power and they don't care, mm-hmm. it is very, very difficult for you to carry out your plans. 
So if they want, I don't mind that kind of people where they put in the money just for to get returns mm-hmm. and they don't do anything with you. Um, but I will refuse to give them any form of voting power. Okay. But mm. people who are very involved and want to give advice and are really like putting their ear to the ground and keeping track of what you're doing and where is it going, right? Mm-hmm. These are the people who will have the experience and have the correct like set of knowledge in order to make the right decisions for your company. Yeah, so it's always it's always a matter of like, are they well informed enough to be able to lead your company? In the case that, or rather, to give you advice and how to lead the company. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, so if we are to in the scenario to per, uh, to pursue a venture capital, I would yeah. still, uh, like you, I would go for a venture capitalist that is more vocal. At least he can share his experience, although. Uh, there must be a balancing point between how much control he has over the company, as in like setting the direction, setting the business goal, and all. Yeah, compared to a VC who comes in, throw in the money, and say, "Hey, everything is up to you, man. I don't know about your business." I think this kind is. <laughs> I mean, I doesn't need this kind of people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But. At the same time, it does give you capital in a yeah, sense because agree. you do. There are a lot of okay. Um, I'm going to generalize here, but there are a lot of companies mm-hmm. that, in order to really uh, get a good start, they require a certain amount of capital, and sometimes uh, th- some of the VCs that are really good will not be able to uh, provide this that amount of capital because it's just too big a risk mm-hmm. and it's entirely understandable. So you kind of need this kind of padding as well. From people who want to give money and simply get returns, mm-hmm. and not be super involved, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's for the venture capital side. So, uh, yeah. do you think we should talk about bootstrapping? Okay, so again, um, at the start, there are a couple of options, right? You get yeah. angel investors to give you money, or you bootstrap, and then once you hit the stage where you uh, need to grow, you bootstrap even more. That's organic growth. Yeah, yeah, your organic growth. Or you get venture capitalists to come in. Mm -hmm. So what are the reasons for you wanting to get VCs in? Okay, let's say, um, again, we are back to the hypothetical situation where the product's ready. You need to grow. Uh, uh, Why would you want to get VCs in? Or would you just rather make your own money and continue? Um, So I think the situation... Because we are moving to an earlier stage, right? Now I'm deciding between uh, between going for a VC or an organic growth, correct? Yeah. That's correct. provided the company is making some form of revenue. Yeah. Um, so I think constraint force an entrepreneur to be uh, better, to be a better entrepreneur. Because okay. when you are... <laughs> When your bank has like $3 million, you will be like, hey, don't worry, man. We can take our, not that you can take our time, but hey, I, we can do things uh, much. Okay. Uh, we can hire more people. And when right. you hire 10 people, but you don't know what are they supposed to do, maybe you only know that six person are doing an iOS app, wasting right. resources. But right. when you are bootstrapping or rather you are going for organic growth, the next person you hire, is this? Something you told me that the next person you hire must bring value, lots more value to the team. Um, this is something that Ray Chan from Nine ah, Gets yeah, said, yeah, right? Yeah, no, I, uh, yes, that I agree. If with you that. want to add someone to your team, the overall quality of the team should be going up 
and yes. down. And yeah. I think that if you bootstrap, you will mm. think of this because each hire uh, is an expense. At the same time, it's an asset, but it's an expense to your company. So because you're, okay. you're, you're, you have cash flow issue, okay. uh, you need to have a tight cash flow. So you will be cautious about how you hire and uh, because of the constraint, you become a better uh, entrepreneur. Okay. Yeah. So um, that's one way to think about it, right? Mm-hmm. But yes. here's my argument for having VC, cap, uh, VC funding come in. Okay. So if you're a company that needs to sell a product mm-hmm. with VC funding, you can sell at a loss. Yes. Right? Definitely. Because at the end of the day, uh, because the VCs have give you, given you maybe like $2 million, $3 million, mm-hmm. and say each of your products sells for $100, right? You can actually sell it at $75 and your competitors cannot match your price. So this ultimately gives you a much easier way to you know, uh, capture market share or at least sell at a much lower price than your competitors. So that's a huge advantage, honestly. Yeah. Uh, I say yes, and especially uh, useful if you are breaking into a traditional industry where, mm-hmm. uh, where the foundation of the traditional business, those legacy business, uh, they have been there for a long time and you want to break it in. The only thing you can compete besides innovation is the price for the customers to jump over because the cost of switching is high. You need to lower the price to go in. Correct. But then again, if you think about that idea, right, it seems very unintuitive mm-hmm. because you're saying, oh, but I'm always going to be selling at a loss and I'm never going to be able to make money even, what if my VC funding en- uh, runs out, right? Am I just going to get keep getting funded? It's never going to make money for anyone. Yeah. But it entirely depends on what the strategy of your business is Mm -hmm. because say you capture the market on like a delivery service correct and you lose money on that front there are so many other avenues on top of it other services that you can provide which you can then turn into profit centers so um i think this might be a business uh concept but it's something that i've read about before Mm -hmm. where your company will always have uh loss centers and profit centers Mm -hmm. yeah so in a sense, you're capturing market share with the idea that you're going to lay this infrastructure for you to make a huge amount of value later on. In fact, if I were to raise an example, a real-life example, I would say that Amazon is this kind of company. In right. the start. Yeah, especially yeah. when a Kindle was out. Every Kindle was a loss. Yeah, exactly. But then they're making money on the content. Yes. Yeah, so that's, uh, that's a perfect example, actually. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the kind of thing where you would um, make use of VC funding in order to bring your costs down. Mm-hmm. I had something else that I wanted to say, but I completely forgot. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, I think that uh, I don't know. Many people says that uh, like the the pros and cons that we have discussed just now, networks and uh, about losing control and all the problem with investors. And I still personally, I still that if if an entrepreneur of mm-hmm. if any of the listeners is listening and is thinking of starting an online business and all, they should try to go for bootstrapping first. And and okay, and, right. and there's a difference between uh, even if you are bootstrapping with in a slightly maybe some form of angel fund, it's okay because mm-hmm. angel and VC is different. They are totally yeah. in a different business. 
Yeah, but it also is very important that you lay down the terms very clearly mm-hmm. with whoever is investing with you, be it an angel or a venture capitalist. Yeah. yeah. So um, I remember what I wanted to say. Yeah. And the thing is that uh, it ultimately comes down to the founder having a very clear plan. Because the way that I think about um, whether or not you should raise money or whether or not you should bootstrap, right, mm-hmm. is that uh, in the time period, let's say you plan yourself um, to have a certain stage that is one year long, right? You have a certain goal for the stage that, say, you want to capture the market in Singapore. That's your goal, right? Mm-hmm. The question you have to ask, right, is how much money do I need in order to achieve this goal? And if I get more money, can this be done earlier? So that's that's a very simple question, but also it's very difficult to answer because you're gonna have to uh, really plan out what are your what are you gonna spend on, what are your expenses, and as well as what could your possible revenue streams be. And the way that I thought about how should I raise money or how much money should I want to raise, right, is basically um, how much will I ideally want to s- spend. I'd say I want a team of. 10 people working so that I can do um, different aspects of the business how much money do I want to pay them and how much money will I need in order to sustain a business and that's where I decide whether or not uh, VC funding is critical for the business at that point yeah I think uh, you're, you are right on this uh, I totally agree on the the plan <coughs> yep. and and if ultimately, you, yeah. It's, sorry, um, sorry, you go ahead. You go ahead. Yeah. Like, uh, in terms of investments, right? Mm-hmm. If you have three million in the bank, and say like, oh, I've got safety. That's the wrong way to think about it. Is I've got three million that will run down to zero in a year's time. <laughs> what am I doing with all the money? Yeah, yeah. That's how you should really be thinking about it. Not that it's a safety net at all. You know, it's like how do I make the most use of this three million dollars within the time period? that I have to achieve my goal. Yeah. Because money is just a resource. Uh-huh. It's not something that, oh, hey, I've got spare money. I'm just going to buy a Ferrari <laughs> in the case of a startup. Because that adds no value to your company. Yeah. So, yeah. The importance of having a plan, uh, that's, mm-hmm. that's true. Um, yeah. And so I don't totally agree on that. Yeah. Don't think about getting money first. Think about how much money you need. And then that way you know how much you are willing to give up and how much you have to raise. Yeah, how much you and you raise enough. It's not like randomly you go out and tell people that you need five mil because you have done all your calculation. You are right. clear that you only need example three and you just yeah. go for three. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the thing is that with this plan, right, you should really go out and talk to your friends and talk to um like friendly VCs who might not end up investing in you, right? But can give you a perspective on um what the money can be stretched. How how can it be stretched, or what is it really uh, used for based on their experience? Because most of us don't have that experience. Most of us haven't started out before, mm-hmm. and um, it's really important to know where the money is going to go so that you have a proper plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, that's the money side of VC funding, I guess. That's totally the money side. <laughs> yeah, I I, I mean, think for most of our startups, the those building online business, be it. Uh, Especially startups, most of the funding they are raised goes to manpower costs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's one of the tough challenges hiring in Singapore. 
<laughs> but that's a that, that can be a whole other show <laughs> actually the problems yeah. with uh, hiring <laughs> yeah. people because it's incredibly hard to find good talent now um, and <laughs> there are actually several avenues that you can explore uh, again something that I've been thinking about the past couple of weeks uh, maybe we'll do it for next show yeah but coming back to VC funding, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we were talking about other benefits of having VCs fund you. Yeah. And network, you were, right? Yeah, you were saying network experience or something that I brought up. Oh. Uh, how much or what do you think... Um, uh, this is a difficult question to phrase because it depends very much on situations. Okay, say if I were a company and... Uh-huh. Um, I've come to the stage where I've built the product. That's what I'm good at. I understand the product. I know how to build it. I executed it beautifully, right? Mm-hmm. But then I don't understand uh, how to market it in a country like Singapore. Mm-hmm. If a VC mm-hmm. has had a track record of, um, you know, building out uh, a good marketing strategy and getting traction in the in 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 the field that you're trying to get into. Mm-hmm. Would that be good enough for you to consider them as a VC? Would that be a selling point of a VC in a sense? Um, I will, just like VC will do due diligence with you, they check out on you, you will check out on them, I will check Mm. out on them and see if they have, so for example, if I'm in the social media space, I'll check that if they have uh, any social media companies in their portfolio, because Mm. with that, I will know that uh, they have experience in this space. Yeah. Uh, And if they have, experience in the space that I want to go in, I might go with them. Of course, there must be a chemistry between you and the VC, provided that uh, he loves you, I love him. Yes, I will go with them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And actually, that's one of the main things that I think about when I'm talking to people is that whether or not they will have the same vision or have the ability to argue with me Oh, yeah, yeah. Cannot always be yes. It will be so bad. Exactly. They must know their shit. Yeah. And even if you're doing something completely innovative, right, in a space, you're working in a space that has existed for a long time and there are other ideas that have worked in it. So a lot of the times, these ideas will intersect even if they're not completely similar. Mm -hmm. And if you have a VC who already has these companies in their portfolio, right, Mm -hmm. it's an incredible amount of experience that you don't have to uh, painfully learn. So it's one of the great things about having, you know, experienced partners for yeah. VCs, rather. Which is why I, early on, I said that it would be good if they, like, they are vocal, they voice out their opinions and all. Uh, yeah. Because we are, so we have an idea, we, we, we bootstrap, we have angel funding, then we, re, we go to the VC stage. But we mm. are still very new. We are, like, you know, the, like, we are still very new. We don't know much about running of profitable business as compared to those VC. So their experience and their networks are definitely a plus point when it comes to raising money from them. Yeah. Okay, so I think we kind of covered the pros and cons of VC funding. Um, mm-hmm. We didn't really touch much about bootstrapping, uh, mm-hmm. but if you're interested, you can check out the bootstrapping series that we did with um, Elaine from E27. Uh, that actually gives quite a few good stories about bootstrapping and what are the advantages of it. But as a kind of, um, because I want to talk about, uh, I want to talk about bootstrapping very briefly. Yeah, sure. Um, the advantage of bootstrapping is that you have full control, right? Mm-hmm. And that ultimately you'll be able to make the decisions on your own and you are the only person who can be blamed if ever there's an issue. But you will make a lot of silly mistakes that you might, you might avoid if, if you have a mentor that looks after you. 
if correct. you have a mentor that looks after you. Yeah, correct. Yeah. And here's the thing as well. It's like sometimes when you're first starting out, yeah. if you're very confident of your ability to uh, execute the product, mm-hmm. then I think bootstrapping is possible. Yes. It's something that you might want to consider, especially if you know that this is very risky and it is something that um, you will need to have very tight control over. Go ahead. But ultimately, having the advice of people, I mean, even if you're bootstrapping, right, go yeah. get a mentor. Go find someone that you can talk to. Make friends and talk to these people who are in the industry. Because if they have no stake in your company, right, they're very likely to be able to give you a very um, rational uh analysis of what you're doing and whether or not you're going down the right way and the thing is that you should be ready to uh, argue or to consider other people's opinions and even if they are rude to you right Mm -hmm. like some people we know um, we should (laughs) always consider whether or not they have a valid point and then go and talk to other people about it and then see how you know you can work around the problem if there is a problem yeah I I just like to emphasize on that point where you talk about if even if you are bootstrapping, you should go out and talk to investors. Yes. Because I do have friends who say that, hey, we are bootstrappers, I don't care about investors. I yeah. think this kind of mindset uh, is wrong. Uh, not that you are going after the investors just to uh, raise funds, because you don't need the fund. I know you are profitable, you are a small business, you can grow on your own. But you can hear their point of view, how you can be a better and more successful business. Like you said, yeah. Sometimes they give you good advice, sometimes they give you bad advice. But at the end of the day, right, it's a different perspective from what you're seeing. And sometimes we can become very myopic when it comes to our business. Yeah. Yeah. So it's always it's always a good idea to talk to people. I, th- I think this is for a bootstrapping company, right? This is very important. You must go mm. out and talk, be your customers and as well as investors. Yeah. And find people who are willing to tell you straight up like oh this idea is shit you know because if everyone's like very nice to you you're never gonna see your problems until it becomes too late yeah it's too late to handle yeah Yeah. so always try and surround yourself with people who will be brutal to your idea but the the only reason why they are brutal is because they care about what you're doing yes yes and because they cared about you I think because you see if they mm. if they don't want you to waste your time in these stupid ideas exactly. of yours that you are planning to do. Exactly. Yeah, that's why they tear you apart and uh, you as the entrepreneur you have to fix it up back again with different strategy mm. and move forward. Yeah. And speaking about time, right? Raising funds takes time. Oh yes. There are many ways to get money, uh, including grants from the government in Singapore. Or you can go to private v- um, private funding or go to VCs or you can go to angel investors, right? Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, what is most precious to you really is your time. Always keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. And if you're able to raise the amount of capital that you need at the start without having to waste time on applying for grants or VC funding, do that first. And then after that, uh, when you have time to go ahead and do this fundraising, Go do it. Yeah. If I were to give advice uh, and if anyone would like to know what is the exact time frame to give, I can share with you. Mm. For grant, give it at least nine months. From the first day you apply to the day you get your cash in your bank, give it nine months. For VC, you need to establish your relationship and all everything. At least give it six months. Yeah, correct. So this is Unless you're like super charismatic. 
Yeah. Unless you are Elon Musk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe yeah, you can do okay. that in three days. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that's that, right? So it's always a question of like whether or not you want to start immediately or start within a certain time frame, but always give yourself a certain amount of time. But there's also another advantage of going for all these uh, grants and pitches and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You really fine-tune your uh, idea. And these people, they are always actually out there to help you. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they can have bad days. Sometimes they are a little bit um, close-minded, but they are always actually there to think about your idea from a different perspective. And if you can answer your questions and you feel confident of how you're explaining your idea, then you will have a better execution plan for sure. So sometimes you might want to go for one or two of these pitches just to refine how you're uh, thinking about your idea. Yep. I think... Uh, I also like to touch on the bootstrapping, right? It, it also depends on what kind of business you are in. <laughs> yeah, so there are a lot of factors that come into it. And again, it ultimately boils down to what are the resources that you need. Yes, right? yeah. yeah. So um, if you're just going to start off like a block shop aggregator mm-hmm. where you don't really need that much resources, you just need very good marketing, mm-hmm. then bootstrap it. Go for it. I think for those who are into high capital intensive uh, startups, for mm-hmm. example, hardware or semi hardware and with some software, these yeah. kind of companies, they will, they will require quite a bit of funding and they might not yeah. be able to do bootstrapping. Do bootstrapping sure. way, uh, it depends on how rich they are, but yes, for sure. Yes, depending. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because like Grab Taxi, that guy, he can bootstrap initially. Well, because yeah, his bootstrapping okay. <laughs> is five million dollars from his dad. Different. Yeah. <laughs> so there's that. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it gives you full control, and ultimately, if your idea is solid, you will make the money back anyway. So, yeah. Yeah. It's all about it's all about risk management. Uh, at the end of the day. Uh, there was one more thing I wanted to say, and now I completely forgot. Uh, okay, I'm doing. Uh, I I'll get, let you think. I'm gonna do a plug. So okay, for, for, for so for the listeners who are listening to uh, Launchbite, uh, so if you are if you are listening this through the iTunes podcast, um, we would love if you could leave us a review uh, on the iTunes review so that we can know how can we better improve. Because you have seen we change our content from uh, having a topic to news and now back to a topic where we believe that oh my phone ring help oh, <laughs> where we where we where we can. Uh, help entrepreneurs or help before even you start beginning our entrepreneurs uh, the things that you can take note because we make mistakes ourselves and you can learn from our mistakes and the things that we have experienced okay yes I remember what I wanted to say yeah <laughs> just in time okay so um, we were talking about how hard it is to hire talent now and um, honestly at this point in order to hire a developer unless he is a friend of yours or someone who can convince or who you can convince to be a co-founder uh, he's going to cost upwards of uh, four to five thousand a month. So, um, honestly, uh, developers right now are very picky about the companies that they want to join, and rightfully so. So you have to be very convincing, or you have to have a very solid idea of what you want to do, and at least good um, knowledge of what you want to do. And technology, mm-hmm. you know, so it's incredibly difficult to co- to convince someone that you don't know to be your CTO. And if you can, I might be slightly worried about the qualifications of that guy. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
something that you want to consider and also possibly one of the reasons why you would almost definitely need some form of funding at the start because right now it's really it's it's uh the one resource that is very scarce is mm-hmm. talent do, do you know there's a startup providing this service and it's very successful in the silicon valley oh, it's, yeah. called, it's called expa expa right find and, co-founders right uh no it's not find co-founders they develop the initial app for you so you know uber uh, oh, okay. So when Uber started, they find them. So they help them craft the design, everything, uh, bring out the first prototype, so-called. So first prototype. Then when, uh, so when it becomes successful, then you can hire your own team and settle on your own. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's one way to do it. This startup that is helping other people starting up raise fifty million in funding. Yeah. Well, there's definitely a market there, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but it's interesting. Yes, people do this and uh, it makes sense because talent is a global thing. Everyone is snatching mm. for talent. Uh, people mm. from SV are snatching here, uh, yeah. Asian talent and uh, not. And we have some very competitive uh, Asian countries where all the startups are booming. South Korea, China, yeah. all this. Yeah, all of them. So talent. Something very, that we'll talk yeah. about next week. <laughs> we can talk for a long period of time. Yeah, I think so. Okay, we're hitting 45 minutes, so okay. I think we better round this off. Okay. All right, so Brian, where can we find more about you? You can find me on Twitter at L-E-E-T-U-C-K-S-I-N-G. You can also find me on Twitter as well, at A-N-T-T-Y-C. So thank you guys so much for listening. You can find out more about our podcast at www.launchbyte.com. Uh, we will likely be keeping this format for a while mm-hmm. and seeing how it goes. So please leave us your feedback on iTunes and um, on Twitter. Yeah, so thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye.